0: Good morning, Saskatchewan, and welcome to Garden Talk. Uh, we got a change in weather again. I mean, across the province, we're getting a bit of rain. Not snow yet, but not ice yet. It's a kind of, uh, it's been a bit above zero, which is a good thing. So. It
1: melted all the snow away in my yard. It melted all the
2: snow away in my
0: yard. Yeah, so uh, be careful out there, though, because the weather can change, and the highways can change all of a sudden. So give us a call today at one 332 8255 And, uh, or give us a call or text on the same number. Uh, I'm Rick Van Davendijk and my daughter Jill Van Davendijk, uh, and, uh, are here today. And Jay is way sick today, so they got me in charge of these buttons here today. (laughs) So bear with me again. (laughs) So, so, uh, it's, um, it's, so with today, we're gonna talk about a bunch of things. Last night, Jill and I had a little bit of fun doing, um, um, we had a bit of fun doing um, the Sports Hall of Fame, Saskatoon Sports Hall of Fame, where uh, my nephew was inducted as a wrestler, wrestler, Jeff Adamson, and then. But what was special about it is that Derek Pulowski from Early's Farm and Garden Center, one of the main, you know the main managers there, uh, he was also inducted as a builder for both uh, refereeing and uh, and also softball. So it was a fun night just to be able to be there and uh, and uh, and cheer on our our inductees, and so it was a fun night.
1: Yeah, and then another thing too is uh, one of my daughter's teammates, Toby, is playing on the national ringette team, so she's representing Team Canada today at four o'clock as well, um, which is really exciting. Having a young a young kid representing Canada on a on a world level
0: yeah, too. Yeah, so. right from Saskatoon yeah. here. So yeah, that's fun. So one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. Give us a call and uh, like I said, either the the um, the, um, the the telephone line or the text line, either one. No, I got Jill's button on. Now you can actually hear her again. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, anyways, uh, so Jill, we've got a bunch of things happening around uh, the province and right now, and uh, we got a couple things from the University of Saskatchewan we just wanted to mention. There's some classes coming up.
1: Yeah, so the University of Saskatchewan, if you go to gardening.usask.ca, um, you can go to the University of Saskatchewan's website, and it has some webinars on there. There is some in-class sessions, but those usually happen later on in the year. But there's webinars happening, and there's two coming up first one is on november 9th uh, it's on dahlias and uh, a lot of people are starting to garden with dahlias and put them in their yard and learning how to separate them learning how to store them over the winter and then replant them
0: we planted probably about 50 dahlia bulbs all around the yard and it was just it was just at the end of the season it was just gorgeous
1: and with dahlias they are a little bit of a different one and a lot of times when you divide a bulb it doesn't matter where you divide them and with the dahlias each little um, bulb that comes off of the main bulb has an eye on it so it's neat just to be able to educate yourself on how to be able to store maybe separate and maybe grow your collection and uh, and get involved and connect with maybe some people at that webinar who maybe collect dahlias as well maybe you could do some trading. Um, the next one is a, is on November 13th and this one's really exciting because it's called no-till vegetable gardening and yep. um, vegetable gardening and food security has become a huge topic um, and I think it's just going to continue to grow um, but a lot of people are scared of it because they're worried about the ease of it and am I going to have to weed, put a garden in i am I going to be weeding all the time? And is or am I going to have to watch for pests? All those types of things. So this is going to sort of touch on it.
0: And they made it into two 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 evening uh, seminars, so you get thirty dollars for both evenings. Yeah. And so yeah, it turned into a four. It's basically a four hour class. You know, two hours each night. So. Yeah.
1: And one thing about the University of Saskatchewan is all of their classes, um, they usually are talking about native plants um, generally, yep. and it's all no pesticide that they yep. they talk about there. So really natural ways of doing that. That's kind of their their um, mentality when they're educating at the U of S. Yeah.
0: Okay, Jay, we're going to go to the line here. We have uh Tracy here. Good morning from Saskatoon. Tracy.
2: Yeah. Good morning.
0: Yeah. What's your question today?
2: Yeah. So we've got a really tight backyard. Um, we pulled out a hot tub and would like a white pl- would like to plant a tree in that space, but my garage is really close. I've got sidewalk really close. Um, And we're just concerned about, you know, roots getting under there and the damage that that could do. Uh, We'd also, yeah, want something that isn't, you know, super tall uh, because then we're going to have to deal with pruning for, you know, years after. So maybe something that's in the 12 to 15-foot range and then something that we could prune up just a little bit, so we could possibly sit under there i don 't know if you have any suggestions for that,
0: yeah, if you want to sit underneath there, then that that limits you because before you could plant even a bigger shrub, I mean you still could plant a bigger shrub and still sit underneath it. Uh, you could put in a, you know a high bush cranberry or a, a, a red Arnold honeysuckle, which all grow around okay. twelve feet tall, and you can prune them up so you can still sit underneath them and uh, what so, kind of
2: honeysuckle was
0: that uh, red Arnold. Red Arnold. Red Arnold honeysuckle. Those are taller shrubs, okay? Uh, If you want to go to more of a tree shape, then the ones that I'm thinking about is called a Gold Spur Amur Cherry. Okay. That'll be a good one. And also there's a couple now narrow, it's kind of hard to sit underneath them, but there's narrow flowering crabs like Purple Spire and Midnight Mm -hmm. Spire Flowering Crabs. They're yep. up. They're up tall and narrow, but not really a tree that doesn't have any more spread to them. So for sitting underneath it, it's not that great. But uh, it's yeah.
1: going to give you height in your yard. Yeah,
0: it's so. going to give you height in your yard. But uh, but otherwise, that gold spur I'm your cherry probably be the closest thing for that mm-hmm. size, uh, or even a muckle plum would even work. Depends on my sunlight. Uh-huh. Depends on my sunlight you have in that spot too.
2: Yeah, yeah. Okay. The other one that we were looking at uh, this fall uh, was an Ammer maple. Uh, what do you think
0: of that? Yeah, amur maple. The only problem is it'll get quite a bit bigger for that spot. Okay. Like you're looking about 20, 25 feet tall. Right. right. Uh, it I... might be for that close to the buildings. Um, you'd have to do some pruning on it, you know. And uh, yeah. but it'll get just like I'm even looking out the door and I'm looking at some amur maples right here in a small spot like that. You'd have to do a bit of pruning, which you can do. You just got to do the pruning. Yeah. You got to do the pruning from July to September on it every year, right? Okay. Uh, yeah. w- once it gets to your size, you want, because uh, you can't prune them in the spring or you can't prune them late in the fall because they'll bleed like right. crazy in the spring. Yeah. Uh, and one thing about maples um, that, that I may not like it there because you, you said that you wanted to sit underneath it, so you're going to put some permanent chair or a little bistro table or whatever. Mm-hmm. Maples tend to drip a bit
2: okay good to know.
0: Right so um so yeah, a little
1: bit sappy there.
0: A little sappy. So yeah so yeah, um like I said some yeah. of the some of the taller uh, shrubs like I said the the honeysuckle or or um Wayfaring tree would work too, but they're slower growing. Um,
1: so, how would you prune up that honeysuckle? So, you would let it grow to a certain yeah, height first.
0: It'll have multiple stems, but you can trim it into more one stem. I have one one at my last acreage that actually is a pretty good size, and it's basically just one stem, and then it comes off into multiple stems. So, from would there. you
1: do that right away when you plant it? Would you trim it down to one stem, or would you let it grow for a few years first and then trim it
0: down? I'd grow for a few years and then decide okay. which, how much, what kind of shape I want.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Okay, one more question Um, You know, because we love sort of, I don't know, natural trees uh, You know, that are native to this area uh, Would uh, quaking aspen be a possibility there?
0: Way too big and two problems with the roots with that close to the foundations
2: Okay, good to know And the
0: quaking aspen, you still will get uh, your fuzz out of it too which your neighbors uh-huh. wouldn't like you very much about.
2: No, nope, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and birch, the same thing, too big.
0: Birch is okay. Uh you probably could use a birch there if you used depending on your space. There's one called Parkland Pillar, which is okay. only maximum six feet wide, right? So more yeah. narrower, a little bit harder to sit underneath it. But another one you could yeah. you could, depending on your width of your spot, you could use Dakota Pinnacle Birch okay it's about nine feet wide and you can prune it up as well so that you can sit underneath yeah. it as well
2: oh yeah, yeah. okay okay well thank but, you but they're, so t- much. they're
0: yeah. taller you're looking at about you know yeah. 25 to 30 feet tall right
2: yeah yeah okay yeah. perfect good well thanks for your help it's uh good suggestions we're gonna buy something uh you know in the spring because we prepped the whole site and just want to yeah make something work there just to give us a little bit of shade yeah so thank you so much you're welcome okay bye
1: yeah, we're getting lots of questions at the garden center right now, whether it's finding something in their house plants that they, they don't like, it's, uh, how much water, how much sunlight, it's how to, can I fertilize my lawn still? Should I be watering still? We're still getting some of those questions. Well, The, the
0: plants have been inside, they've been outside for a couple months now, so what are they finding, Jill?
1: Well, a lot of people are finding lots of different things. So they've been inside, and usually a lot of leaf drop is happening first. So yeah. uh, what we'll find first... Of and why all, is that happening? Well, different sunlight conditions and also different watering conditions that you're going to be watering your plants on a different cycle than you would have if they were outside. Um, so it's just getting used to that new environment, and usually we'll see about anywhere from uh, a third to a half of leaf drop on a lot of plants once they move inside to transition, and then you'll go through a period where they almost go through a dormancy because we only have like about six hours of sunlight in some rooms, less than that, and then they'll start getting new growth again on them in the in the new year. So, um, just I I like to mention this because this is a normal thing to happen with your plants. Don't be scared because a lot of people will find that leaf drop happens and they'll start watering their plants more. And actually your plants, when you move them inside, need less water than when they're outside because they don't have those natural elements of the sun beating down on them and the wind also drying it out. So really watch your watering. I always say when people say, how, how often should I water my plants? I don't ever say one week, every two days. It's stick your finger into the soil right up to your first or second knuckle. And then once the soil feels dry to the touch, that's when you water it. And that's only when you water it. So the goal is here is you're allowing your plant to dry out rather than keeping it wet. So if you keep that mindset, it's like, when am I going to water my plant? When are you allowed it to dry out? So stick that finger into your soil, um, up and, to and your first you, knuckle. And
0: if you just got a new pedicure, so then you could also get yourself a, a moisture, moisture meter. Moisture.
1: A moisture meter <laughs> is definitely helpful as well too. But but I think that's the number one thing. Once we start getting overwatering, then we get root rot in our pots. And um, Adding light to your plants is a big thing too right now. And grow lights, you can get some really neat grow lights. And actually the grow lights they're coming out with are a little bit more aesthetically pleasing than the, than the big, um, just linear ones that we used to, used to get. So, um, getting a grow light into your area and setting it for a timer of about eight to 10 hours a, a day is probably uh, a really good idea. Um, uh, and then having it a distance away from your plants so that it's getting enough light. So people think I have a grow light in the room, but it's, not no. close enough to their plant. It needs to be about a foot away from your plants. Yep. To,
0: and for seedlings, up to six inches away. Yeah, so, um,
1: so depending on what you're growing. Yep. Um So yeah, adding some supplement lights will keep it growing all winter. If you add the supplement lights, you might want to continue to fertilize. If you aren't adding the supplement lights, I decrease my fertilizing for the wintertime because I allow that plant to go through a dormant stage because it's not getting the light um, that it needs, and so I'm fertilizing it less in the wintertime.
0: Okay, so well. fertilizing. What type of fertilizer should they be using?
1: I like just using the Schultz plant food. Um, it's just you put seven drops in, in, in water and you, you fertilize your plants every time you water. Um, I would reduce that maybe down to every second time I water in the wintertime, but it's such a low-dose low, low dose solution that it's a really good one just to keep your plants going throughout the winter And how season. about the,
0: all the micronutrients? What do you think about, um, like I always talk about um, using alfalfa pellets, let's yeah, say? Yeah,
1: you can put alfalfa pellets on the top of your soil or work them into your soil and they'll break down over time, but they're not breaking down very quickly, yep. um, especially because you're watering so little. So adding a little bit of that Schultz fertilizer, you can top dress with some alfalfa pellets.
0: Or you can make a tea.
1: You can make a tea. Yep. Using organics indoors, some people don't like doing that as much because they do have a little bit of a smell to them. Um, so if you are using some of your organic fertilizers in your home, just just keep in mind that it is going to have a little bit of a of a smell to it, and and that's completely normal. It is also a good idea to make sure you have a dish or a tray underneath your pot so that you're leaching those fertilizers right through the bottom of your pot every once in a while. Yeah, I think
0: that's important, especially if you're going to use like a 20 or a Schultz fertilizer or whatever. Yeah. If you're doing that each time, you're doing that every once in a while. You just need to leach. Straight water period and leads the salt out through the exactly. soil. Exactly
1: and I usually yep. bring them into a bathtub or bring them into the sink and then if you have a, a hose or a wand that you can wash off your house plants get those dust off of your, your plants as well To Remember outside plants in nature you're wanting to mimic that so they have the rain and they have the wind coming off of them so indoors we don't have that so we got to help our plants a little bit by dusting them off so those leaves can continue to produce photosynthesis.
0: Perfect. So anything else they need to know about? uh, Let's say the biggest one that I I hear people calling in is Two things, uh, mealybug and spider mite. Okay,
1: so what do they look like is the first thing. So how do you identify these bugs? And uh, mealybug, first of all, you will usually see it presenting as almost little cotton, little cotton patches and usually deep down in the crevices or on the on the uh, underside or throughout the new growth of your plant. And that's what mealybug looks like in its crawling stage. Okay. And, uh, with Mealybug, you can, you can combat it a couple ways. You can use a product called Endall and you want to spray that, um, every 10 days. Um, and I'd probably do about three applications for And not it. just
0: on the leaves. I think you have to get the branch too because they'll be right in the crevices of a yeah. little crevice of a, of a branch. The
1: one thing with mealy as well too is mealy will live in the soil as well too. And uh, there's something called root mealy as well. So oh, okay. if you have a, a really bad um, infestation of it, some people will actually take the soil off and actually rinse the roots as well um, and just sort of rinse the whole plant, make a bath and rinse the whole plant. Um, out that way. But uh you can definitely combat it by just keeping your plant healthy and then also um watching it watching those things. You can also take a, a q tip or even a little spray bottle and put rubbing alcohol on it and, and that will kill the that as well. Now another thing that's in the mealy bug.
0: You've used the uh, the rubbing alcohol. Do you do you rinse off the tree with straight water after that, or is it, the tree can handle the rubbing alcohol? It
1: usually can handle it. Um, so as long as you're not like taking a full bottle and just spraying it right onto the plant and and just le- and putting a thick coat of rubbing alcohol, that's probably going to burn the plant. Yeah. But just like a Q-tip or a, a cotton ball with some rubbing alcohol and dab it on there. That's that's completely fine. Now another thing that's in the mealy bug family. Did you know scale is in the mealy bug family? Oh yeah, yep. Yeah. And, uh, and with scale, it's almost like a hard crust. That's, and I, I find this on my fiddle leaf figs a lot. And I find it on the stem and I also find it on my leaves. And what I do is I go through with my fingernail and I sort of flick it off or you can take a little knife and scrape it a little bit. And you want to get, um, that wax coating lifted a little bit before you spray the plant and then that's going to help get the active ingredient of that pyrethrin right
0: to the bug. Or if the scale, if you catch them in the crawling stage where they are a bit fuzzy, then yeah. it'll get them easy that way It'll get them easy. Yeah. But if
1: they're already in that wax coated stage, then you got to do a little bit of picking.
0: So now how about spider mite?
1: Spider mite. Usually the sign of spider mite is your plant's looking dull um, it's looking like the leaves have. If you look, look look at the underside, there might be some small webbing. But if you a lot of people think, oh, I see spider webs on my plant, I have yeah. spider mite. That's usually not what spider mite presents as. It's usually a dull look. It almost looks like your plants are dusty. And then you flip to the underside of your leaves, and you almost see a pitting in your leaf, as far as like the the green color is disappearing. And with that, all is your best thing or insecticidal soap. And the other thing too with spider mite is they do not like humidity or being moist. So if you increase the humidity in that area, that's not going to be an environment spider mite likes to live in. So uh, add a pebble tray or a humidifier to that area and that's going to help combat that spider mite. And
0: if you do have them, just take them to shower, cover up the roots, spray them down with water. Mm -hmm. In cold water, it works great and then you can hit them with the safer soap while it's in the tub because then you don't want to spray that canola oil and everything all around your living room.
1: Exactly. And another little tip too is if you're misting your plants, because we're talking about humidity, if you're misting your plants, you're only misting enough that it's going to evaporate off your plants within 30 seconds. So if you're misting your plants to the point where they're soaking in the leaves they're sitting with water on them, that's too much mist. So it's just a light mist. Otherwise, you're going to start getting fungal issues.
0: Well, Jill, we have uh, one text here. We'll also go right to right away here. This is Linda from Langham. I sprayed my lawn with Bordeaux to try to prevent snow mold. What is what? Will this rain wash it off? What should I do? To, should I do it again? Yeah, if you had quite a bit of rain, you probably will need to do it one more time because the rain will wash it you know, off a bit. So if it was just snow on top, it'd be fine. But with this rain, we've actually had quite a bit of rain, depending on your area, what you are. But I know... Where my place is, we had actually, there's some puddles sitting around, so we had quite a bit of rain. So you may have to do it one more time. Wait till things dry off a bit here, and, uh, and then just give it one more spray. I think to be safe, uh, it doesn't take very long to do it, but, uh, you might be better off just to give it one word because I know that if...
1: Or even just hit those hot spots that you know you usually get some snow yep. mold in in those areas. I know, I, I know exactly where the snow mold comes on my front lawn. Yep. So I, I might go through and I might hit just those specific those spot, areas again. Yep.
0: I think that'd be a good idea. So, um, okay, Jill. So we we talked about uh, things that we can do when you're talking about your yard and preparing for even for spring. Yeah,
1: I love that first caller who called in talking about they just removed a the hot, hot tub, tub from their yard. So they have an existing yard and now they're they're dreaming about spaces. So. We get this all the time. People come into the garden center, maybe they have an old yard or a new yard. So let's just, Rick, let's run through some of the things that we would need from somebody to be able to give them advice of where to start. So where would I start, first of all, when I'm starting to measure my yard? Now is a perfect time to do it. I mean, there's not snow on the ground, so you can still get out there and measure. So where would I start? Do I put it down on a piece of paper? Am I just taking pictures?
0: Yeah, take some, uh, uh, there's two ways you can do it. Okay. Uh, One way you can take some pictures. Okay. Okay. and then with that or you can and another way you can do is you can take pictures and also some graph paper right and then plot it out uh the other way you can do it too is I, i've taken pictures and then i've printed them off right mm-hmm. and then i've actually put the measurements right on the picture okay Right? Cause now you, cause a lot of people like myself are visual.
1: And what types of things are you taking measurements of? Are you taking measurements?
0: I want to take measures of the, of the, of the yard itself, okay. like along the fence line. What's the measurements? Uh, if you have existing plants, what's the distance between plants? Let's say you want to do some infilling, right? And, mm-hmm. uh, filling things. I might put some measurements where the, my, you know, my garden shed is, where my little patio is. And then I want to also, when I have a picture, if I have a picture of the of the front yard or the backyard, I'm taking a picture toward the house and away from the house. I might take a picture of saying, "Well, how far is that window from the edge, or how high is the window off the ground?" Because that makes a, a, a difference of what size of plant I'm going to plant there.
1: Yeah, the right? other thing that I see too is um, when people are planning their new yards, they'll go into their new yards and they think, like, "I want a nice like perimeter around my yard," and they'll go through and they'll like make a two or three foot. Um, garden, garden pot, plot along the, yep. along the edge of their, their shed or anything yep. like that. And then they'll go and plant trees and shrubs in there. And then later on, those trees and shrubs grow up they're, and they're hanging over.
0: They're cutting the grass underneath the shrub.
1: Exactly. Yep. So it, that just allows you that planning just yep. to take those measurements and then choose the right size shrub for the space. So if you're wanting only a two foot area, then maybe you're sticking more with perennials and yep. small shrubs.
0: Planting the right plant for the right location. Mm-hmm. And that's why you want to, different things you want to also uh, put onto your your plan is that which way are you facing?
1: Okay, so you know, direction, sunlight. Direction
0: of sunlight, because that makes a big difference too, as if it's just like in that, that location where he had the hot tub. Is it in the sun or is it in the shade? Okay. Right? Cause, uh, and that
1: might not only be um, what direction are you facing, but it could be is there a tall two-story and I have beside me and it's maybe shading my yard. That's or, why I like
0: taking a picture from the deck in okay. the backyard out for because then I'll see, oh, there's a big tall patio that, or right next door, the neighbors actually can reach over and flip my burgers on my, you know, on my, the <laughs> on other my thing, barbecue.
1: The other thing, and you say like you have a piece of rebar that you always walk around yep. your yard with, and this is something maybe you can go ahead and do before your your ground freezes up. But mm-hmm. I remember moving into my new yard and I didn't know what was underneath the grass and yep. my yard had completely been been redone and they just sodded it from fence to fence.
0: Yeah, hey, you might take your grass out. You want to plant a shrub bed there or a garden, but you only have two inches of topsoil underneath okay, that. Okay,
1: or this. There yep. was a sidewalk. Hidden underneath oh, my grass yeah, years it, ago, and I didn't know that. So if I would have yeah. gone through and just maybe poked yeah. some rebar down, I would have found some of those maybe hidden structures um, yeah. underneath my grass, and then I wouldn't have planned maybe to put because that was that was a big job to take some of that concrete oh, I, I, out. I
0: remember there was it was a concrete driveway in that yard you were in, yes. and then it's also it was sloped the wrong way; it was sloped toward the house, so it needed to yeah. come out. But
1: yeah. um, just just doing some some looking at some of those things too.
0: Yeah. So yeah, I know there's lots of things you can do that be preparing because you got all winter to play and, you know, do a couple different designs and get some help from some of the local. Gardening okay. experts, and, and just do that during the wintertime.
1: So I'm taking some measurements. I'm finding out what direction sunlight comes in. Um, what about the soil? What um, it, Does it matter what type of soil is in there? How do I check the type of soil that I have in my yard and make sure it's good soil to grow in?
0: Yeah, well, if you want some topsoil, obviously, and a lot of the, especially the new areas, uh, old areas aren't so bad, but a lot of new areas, they strip all the topsoil off, Okay. right? And then they build the house, and then you bring topsoil in. And so I'm just going
1: to that sort of fill area where they've they've cleared some stuff out and put a pile from digging the basement. Yeah. That's not considered good soil. Well, it
0: could be. Okay. It could be, but it also could be mixed with a bunch of clay and everything else. So mm-hmm. it's it's sometimes if they strip it off properly, then it'll be will be good soil. So you want to ask for topsoil. Yeah, you want to have good, good garden soil, and I even mm-hmm. like using a, a triple mix type of soil because it has some organics in it as well. And, and a
1: triple mix usually has either compost comp- or manure, yeah. topsoil, and a little bit like a peat or something. Exactly.
0: In it. So you have all those things. So you're 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 building healthy soil right to begin with, and so, um, and so I even. What's put, the
1: best soil to grow in? Like, if I want ideal soil, what am I looking for? Yeah,
0: you're looking for. Good topsoil with it could be a little bit on the sandy side, but not too much on the sandy side. Side especially for a garden, too much sand will actually sand, water, and clay make concrete. Okay. <laughs> so, so you want to be careful unless you unless you're putting a sandy soil that's you know 18 inches deep, then it doesn't matter. But if it mixes in because you're rototill your garden, right? So if you're mixing some of that clay in, then all of a sudden you're going to make hard concrete. So, but you can fix all those two things with like with gypsum or some bark mulch and that kind of stuff, you can put some organics.
1: Tell me a little bit about fixing my soil. So I, so let's say I have um, some clay soil. It's like really hard clay. I dig into it. It doesn't drain really well. The water just kind of sits in that area. What am I going to do?
0: So if it doesn't drain... That's the, big, that's, the, that's the big one is that if if, if you have, you decide where your swale is going to go, where does your pump out come out of your house for your sump pump? You know, or where do your downspouts come down? Does it run to that area? Am I going to plant a tree right at the end of that, that spot where, where it all runs through? No, you're going to plant it on the edge of the swale rather than in the swale. Uh, because the tree, especially when it's young, uh, when you first plant it, you're going to dig a hole right? And even if it's a shrub or a tree or whatever, you're going to dig a hole and you dig, a, especially if you've got clay, heavy clay underneath, which a lot of Saskatchewan's heavy clay, you're going to dig a bowl. And if the water's coming through a a swale, it's going to fill that plant full of, full of uh, it's, going to, it's going to, the hole, that bowl you build is going to fill with water all the time. Okay. So plant it just off to the edge or change your swale so it's not going, it's going in the grass area before you plant. So it's not right in your shrub bed. That's important. Okay. So those are the kind of things you got to make plans for because then you make, want to make your bed a little bit wider or something like that to, to accommodate that or putting a piece of weeping tile in, you know, through your shrub bed.
1: Okay. And then would I have to, if I'm putting shrubs in there, would I have to take some of that clay out and put good soil in and how, how deep should that be?
0: Yeah. So if it's a garden, you want to be about 18 inches, right? If it's a shrub, you can, you know, put four, three or four inches and then pocket plant, then you dig up big hole so and a throw, maybe
1: two or three times the size of the plant uh,
0: the, the pot and okay. then you throw that clay away and you put it in some good soil okay okay and then because a lot of the roots the roots and the plants will grow up into the surface of the soil anyway so as long as you have that four three four six inches then that works good we have annette from saskatoon wanted a question about pruning some plants good
2: morning annette Good morning. Um, we've got actually three clematises in our yard, and we're just wondering: should they be cut back this time of year, or leave them till spring?
1: Um, most of the clematises that you have, um, that are hardy here in Saskatchewan, they die back down to the ground every year and then they come back on their, on their new wood. So really you can do a little bit of both things. You can trim them right down if you want to kind of refresh and rejuvenate, uh, your plant, or you can leave some of it up and maybe trim it down to about a half. I sometimes will do that because I like the snowfall to be caught on the bottom, just giving it a little extra insulation. And so I'll, I'll cut it back maybe about a third to a half in the, in the fall and then I'll give it a little bit, maybe about do another third to a half in the spring again, just to sort of get it going again and get some of those, that debris out. It depends, oh, okay. there again, yeah.
0: it depends on the variety. Like mm-hmm. like the jack benai and a lot of those ones that are really colorful, they'll die right to the ground, but then you get bluebird or, you know, little ones like that, they will actually bloom on old wood, so it all depends on what variety you have as well. Uh,
1: I think we have that jack one that you got yeah, yeah. so it can go right down to the ground every year if you that that and it will come back from the base but just remember t- um to get that snow insulation right next to the base or, of the or plant. even
0: right now if you if it's if it's, you don't have any mulch cuz one thing that clematis do like is they like cool roots hot top right mm-hmm. Yeah. so having some mulch on the base also keeps the the soil cool for the summertime but also gives that little extra protection for the wintertime as well
1: right okay no okay. that's perfect okay. thank you very much thanks for
2: yeah bye
0: And we have uh, Brian here from Saskatoon. Good morning, Brian.
2: I don't know much about plants, but I'm looking for something to have indoors that will purify the air and that'll give a nice smell off and that'll grow money. (laughs)
0: A <laughs> oh, money oh jeez a money tree, a money thing, tree.
2: Guys, <laughs> old last year a friend gave you that money tree and it's still not doing anything So now a
1: question for you is how much light do you have in your area first of all
2: uh, south side lots
1: south side lots of light um, yep. so there's a few things you can do You, uh, an okay. easy plant that cleans the air you could do uh, peace lily um, is really good uh, just to have that one for a little bit away from the window that would be perfect easy to care for. It almost talks to you. Well, The leaves will wilt, and okay. when it's ready to be watered, then they'll perk back up again. Another easy one is a Sansevieria or a snake plant. Um, that one's more an, a linear plant, a very upright plant. Uh, easy to care for. It loves the hot sun, but one thing really good about that one is it's a neglectable. So you can actually have it in a dark area or have it in a bright sunny area and it will survive, survive and survive. Right strive. up my alley. Yeah, so I would probably <laughs> start with a snake plant. They clean okay. the air. Easy to care Therefore, um, they're they're a great plant for that type of thing. Two hanging oh,
0: okay. plants and hanging pots, if you want, or put them on a table and them hang down is is golden pothos and the spider plant. They they both use those up in the in the space station as well to help clean oh. the air as well. So
1: now you said you wanting a plant with some fragrance to it. A lot of these plants they don't necessarily have a fragrance to it, other than they'll add just a little bit more humidity to your area because no. they're a live growing plant. Just-
2: joking about that.
1: <laughs> if you want fragrance so when you have lots of light you could do a jasmine plant too yeah
2: okay thanks for the help You're thank welcome. you okay have a good day
0: okay jill we have uh, a few texts we should take care of here um so i have here Jana from uh from saskatoon good morning our garden at the farm is next to an old barn the barn hasn't hasn't been used for cattle since 2004 our potatoes are scabby what can we do?
1: Well, I don't know if I would necessarily plant potatoes in an area where I have lots of manure. I yeah. have had that until maybe I've grown another crop on that area. Well, I probably
0: for, have to grow probably two or three yeah. seasons of crops. So using yeah. plants that will take eats up lots of nitrogen, like corn,
1: corn, you beans. Know,
0: beans, you know, that kind of stuff. Things that eat up a lot of nutrients and, and will break down some of that that compost that you have around that old barn. But you may have to, for the next probably two or three years, you're going to have to find another spot away from, the, just to plant the potatoes.
1: Yeah. And then if you're adding things to that area too, I wouldn't add any more compost or manure into that area. You might want to just add some extra topsoil to that area if you're at, amending the soil. Yep. Um, year after year, just some straight topsoil. Potatoes, they don't really like any additional nutrients. They,
0: they fix their own nitrogen, so that's why they fix all that compost is there. They fix it more, and then that's when you get all that, the growth from all the bacteriums growing in there and from breaking down all the compost, and that's why you get your scab for it.
1: Yeah, so. so if you ever are going to be using compost or manure in a potato crop, it's very little amounts um, if you're doing that, but I would suggest finding another location and maybe growing some other crops on there to use up some of those nutrients that are currently in the soil.
0: Okay, so we have here, um, uh, Colleen from Dalmany, my Christmas cactus is starting to bloom. What Yay. can I do to help it continue to bloom? I.e., do I fertilize it or water it? What's watering do I do for it?
1: Yeah, so while your k- k- Christmas, Christmas cactus is, is blooming, you want to water it a little bit more. Those, those flowers are going to take up uh, more moisture, but make sure you're not watering it too, too much. So again, stick your finger in the soil. It's a cactus. When it feels dry to the touch, water it. So you're not going to let it go bone dry, um, uh, but you're going to, to make sure you add a little bit of water. You can use a cactus Cactus soil or even a, a flowering plant um, fertilizer, if you want to, just make sure you follow the house plant directions on it. It is a cactus, so it's going to hold that fertilizer uh, like a lot in those in the water pockets in the leaves, so you're not wanting to fertilize very often at all. Um, I sometimes while it's blooming, i 'll slow down on the fertilizer because I don't want to speed up the life cycle yep. so while it's blooming, I actually will pull away from the fertilizer increase the water slightly but not too much and have it in a bright sunny window um, if you have it in a, in a window that's too hot it's gonna make that it bloom out faster though so okay. bright indirect light is best for that location
0: okay here's another question here from Julie uh, she says can anything I can do to put down to deter deer from urinating around our nine barks and so, with that one there um, uh, probably the best one to use is around the nine bark you can spray it right on the nine bark. it's things like bobex it's a it's a it's a basically a deterrent it 's basically a repellent uh there's one called critter ritter as well. You can spray it around there you can even use that mosquito barrier, which is straight garlic they won't like the deer don't like that either. So that's probably the best thing, or, or or put up a little snow fence to keep them from going in that area. It just deters them from coming into that area. Uh, yeah, I put up, I spent some considerable time putting a deer fence around my place, and I put a seven-foot plastic deer fence up. Well, the dog put a, a run on a deer two days ago, and the deer ran right through a seven-foot snow fence, <laughs> a deer fence, because it was on full flight. Both the dog and the deer were both full flight, and uh, the deer just went right, right through it. So um, now
1: you got to put some flags so we can see. So it a I, I got it
0: because the, the black deer fence. It's, my wife asked me, "Is the fence even up?" You know, because we can see the lake right through it and everything else. And so I, I think I'll have to put some flag tape on so the deer can actually see it.
1: Well, there's also a mixture that you can make. Maybe you've planted in your garden. Yeah. Um, you've planted some you plant some sage you plant some garlic at the end of the season you might have lots of that take it, throw it in the blender with a little bit of water and uh, and then mix it up and you can make kind of a slurry and you can spread that around that area. That Those plants, particularly mint, garlic and sage, the deer do not like them. So you could spread that in that area and that might prevent it as well.
0: I have a few other uh, texts we're going to get back to after the show, but that basically ends our time. That went so quick. Oh, Thank wow. you for joining us here on 650 CQM and 980 CJME.